Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Big Ideas from the Business Intelligence Guy. I'm Nate Moore. I'm going to talk about a revenue cycle analysis process that I do for groups that may be helpful for you as you think about how do I look at my revenue cycle and make sure that you know, from a high level things look right, that there aren't any weird, un- unknown anomalies, whatever going on under the hood, and you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. One of the things I'll do is I'll grab data for typically 12 to 18 months. And I want to end whatever that time frame is about three months or so ago so that the claims that I'm looking at have time to get paid. In theory, you know, all these claims have been paid. Maybe in your practice, that's true for secondary and patients or whatever in 60 days, maybe it's 120 days. But I want to make sure that I've got at least a year and the claims have got a chance to get paid. That's my underlying data. And then what I'll do is I'll do an analysis by the major CPT codes. And you you know me, I'm going to do a pivot table, right? We're going to sort and figure out, okay, what are my major CPT codes? Who are my major payers? And from there, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop it into uh, another pivot table now that I know who the major payers and the major CPT codes are. And uh, there's an example in the graphics. And what I'll do is I'll pick a major CPT code and I'll look at those payers. And then I've got several columns worth of data that I use to analyze the revenue cycle and maybe just walk through some of those columns and some of the things I look for or whatever. First thing I'll do is I'll just sum up all the bill charges and try to figure out who's my biggest payers for those biggest charges. And then the next thing I'll do is I'll look at the average charge for for the CPT code to the payers. And if the practice tells me, and most of them do, hey, we're billing the same amount to every payer and it ought to be consistent, ought to be consistent, ought to be consistent, and it's not. And we'll see, well, wait a minute, why is it not consistent? Why should... You know, it's always three hundred dollars, and this time it's one twenty-five. What happened? What's that one twenty-five? And and it it's a red flag to me for a couple of reasons. I mean, a does somebody have the ability to change the amount of a bill charge? And if so, why on earth are we doing that? Why would they change it? Did a claim get edited and then fixed? And somehow in that edit fix process, the bill charge got off or whatever. But it's to me, it's a red flag. It's a control issue, right? Why would I not see? a consistent average charge across the same CPT to the same payers, that kind of thing. I'll look at a count of how many times in in units that a charge was billed. And then the next thing I look at is the percentage of the allowed amount over that charge. And even if I'm doing a payer contracting analysis and I'm not going to work with anybody who's going to negotiate Medicare reimbursement rates, Medicare is a good benchmark to give me a sense for, okay, are we above or below Medicare? And is it the ceiling or the floor? And are there some payers above and some below? It's just a good benchmark to say, where am I against that sum of allowed amount? What what is my allowed amount for the CPT code by each of the payers? And I'm going to look for low payers on that allowed amount and and try to get a sense for here's a payer contracting issue I've got to work on. After I do the percentage of the allowed amount, I'll look at the average dollar amount of the allowed amount. So it's it's one thing to say that, you know, I will pick on Blue Cross reimburses at 61% and Medicare is at 58% and maybe some Aetna plan is at 73% or whatever. That's you know, The percentages are interesting, but to turn that into a real dollar and say, hey, the average dollar amount reimbursed for this CPT code for this pair is 189 versus 172, $17 a CPT code. And I don't know how many billed units there are. You can kind of wrap your arms around how big a deal is this underpayment or this contract that needs to be renegotiated or that kind of thing. Then the last number that's in my analysis is the average of the total paid on that charge. Again, we're trying to make sure these claims are adjudicated and all paid up before we 
do the analysis. But then what I'll do is I'll say, okay, if the allowed amount's 175 and the average paid amount's 165, where's that $10 difference? I mean, have I got some co-pays that aren't being collected some percentage of the time? Or have I got some secondary or some patient balances that aren't getting billed timely? Or why isn't my payment amount the average? And again, I'm looking at dollars, you know, 175 versus 165. Why don't those dollars match up? And if they don't, is it specific payers? Do they have high deductible plans? Or we maybe it's locations and I've got this location's not doing a good job of collecting. Or maybe, maybe there's a, not it's not a front desk issue, but it's something in terms of the way that the billing office is structured and, and whoever's had this responsibility has since left or, or is working from home and slowed way down, whatever it is. But if we can see those kind of figures and compare the average allowed by to average paid by CPT by payer, we can get a sense of the revenue cycle. And that's what I'm really after, right? Is I'm trying to get a high level, quick and dirty, what's the revenue cycle look like and what's my payer contracting opportunities in this CPT code, these payers, that kind of thing. I think it's well worth an analysis to grab that kind of data out of your system throw it in a pivot table. What are my major codes? What are my major payers? And then look for those kind of codes and look for those kind of issues. I think you'll be surprised what you find. I hope these big ideas podcasts are helpful for you. Thanks for joining me today.